Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Generosity Freak Show. I am your host, Brady Josephson, and we are back with a brand new episode. It's been a while. We've been traveling. We've been teaching. We've been training. We've been doing research. We've been hard at work, and uh, we've got a lot of cool content coming in the future, and we're back to potting. So especially Laura, who asked, when's the next podcast? This is for you. We're back. Uh, on today's episode, we are talking to Ben Cipollini, who's the director of Data Science at Classy, and Monica Finch. She's the head of communications and brand at Classy. And we're talking to Classy because they've just produced their 2019 State of Modern Philanthropy report, looking at oodles of data across thousands of nonprofits. And what's really interesting to me, at least, is they're taking a very specific look at return donors. So people who make a donation and then come back at some point in a two-year period. What is it that they do? When do they come back? Does it matter how they came in? Does it matter which campaign they gave to? This idea of looking at return donors uh, is really, really critical, and it's a problem facing our space. You know, donor retention rates are incredibly low, and they're getting worse. They're not getting better. So this report is very timely to take a, a deeper dive in the data and see why do people return and when. So that's what we talk about today. Specifically, we'll look at um, overall trends that they've seen, uh, recurring giving. What does it look like for recurring donors and fundraisers? Uh, what are some lessons to be learned for the peer-to-peer fundraising world and getting them to come back as well? So all things that we talk about today, I hope you enjoy the episode and thank you as always for listening. Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go I said welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Ben, Monica, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Brady. Thanks for having us. All right. So the latest version of the State of Modern Philanthropy is out today, in fact. Congratulations. You've made it. (laughs) Feels good. Feels good. (laughs) And uh, thanks for taking some time uh, to jump in and and talk more about this uh, really interesting, really useful study. Thanks for coming on. Super excited to talk with you about it. There's a lot in there. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll just scratch the surface and then point people towards the study. So let's uh, let's dive in. I think the first question is basically why. So this study focuses a lot on a return donor. So one, maybe you can uh, define what a return donor is, which sets up this whole conversation. And why was that a specific subset of donors that you wanted to focus on for this year's study? Yeah. So actually, to start with the, the latter half of your question, um, the why we we really know and see in the industry that um, everybody's focused on donor retention and donor churn. You know, people are obsessively focused on that, and they should be. You know, these are their donors, and they want to know whether or not they're going to come back and support their organization. And we're seeing you know high rates across the industry of people not coming back. Um, we wanted to kind of shift that a little bit and really shift the focus toward people who do come back. Um, And so we chose to to focus this report on that specific cohort of donors to kind of provide a deeper level of understanding of behaviors from those donors who do indeed come back and engage with an organization again. Um, And so... Sorry, I'm looking at notes. I'm not mad at this. Oh my god! <laughs> knowing that it's knowing that it's recorded too, I'm not trying. It's easier to be on the other side, isn't yeah. it? Monica? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love prepping people. Don't love talking. Um, what was I saying? 
just how, how important. Just how important donor retention is and looking at return donors yeah. specifically. And what's interesting that you said there is actually um, we often look at who leaves. Why do they leave? What, what's causing them to leave? How can we prevent them from leaving as opposed to flipping on the other side of saying, who comes back? Right. Why do they come back? How do we get more people to come back? You know, in our world of optimization, we talk about flipping the funnel a lot. And often we look at conversion rates or success rates. But there's also the other side is I don't care rates. They don't care about your email. They don't open. So it's useful to like flip it on its side and look from both perspectives. And for you to take this return donor approach, I think is really interesting. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That fits it very eloquently. Um, And yeah, so how we sort of define that return donor for this report specifically is that we're looking at a donor whose initial interaction with an organization is a one-time donation, and then Mm -hmm. they come back and do something else. So again, we're exploring what that second step is after that initial one-time donation. Right. Very key and uh, very <laughs> essential to point out before we talk about some of these other you know numbers and what people actually do. Um, okay, so that's setting the stage. What I'd like to do is kind of do some quick hits. There's a few things that jumped out to me as being interesting. So hopefully we can kind of cover those. And then if there's some other stuff that you found interesting, we can cover it. And then at the end, uh, maybe like a quit kind of, so what? So here's some numbers, some research. What do organizations actually kind of do with this information moving forward? All right, sound good? Sounds good. Perfect. All right. So one of the first things that jumped out to me that was interesting was kind of you looked at the source or how people came in and can and campaign types. You've got these different campaign types, whether it's a general donation page, a peer to peer, a crowdfunding page or event page or a ticket. Right. You've got these different forms and you looked at how do people come in and then how do they also come back either by source or by campaign. And there's a pretty high correlation to kind of how they came in is with maybe one exception, is also generally how they come back. Is that kind of a, a general truth that you found for source and campaigns? Yeah, so you, you, you called it out there a bit. It, I actually think there are two different trends there. So we saw a couple campaign types where, so crowdfunding and events, where people do come in on you know mobile or desktop and it doesn't really matter. They just come back that way again. It's really about how the donor is driving the interaction. But there were three campaign types where you didn't see that, where they have more native cam- native device types. So, for example, peer-to-peer and registration with fundraising, those are fundamentally social. So it's mm. strongly to mobile. So even if someone came to those campaign types on a, on a desktop device and gave, when they came back, everybody was coming back on, on mobile devices. Mm. And on, in the other way, for donation pages, kind of natively desktop, people are giving larger amounts, um, and they do that more on the desktop. And so even if they came in from a mobile device, that second time through, they'd be coming in through a desktop. So we saw both behaviors, which was really, I thought, interesting. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting for a few few reasons. Like one, uh, you know, our, our world and work is probably more the general donation page, which is what, you know, we're interested in. And one of the things that we've often said is one of the easiest ways to optimize your advertising spend is to actually not show to mobile. Conversion rates are typically much, much lower. And this is... Um, for a general donation page, one-time donor who comes back, I think another argument in favor of that is even if they gave on mobile, they may come back on desktop. There's no change. But if you do that same strategy for other campaigns, you could be missing a bunch of opportunities for people to come back by not showing them ads or not creating content for them on mobile. So I thought that was a really interesting kind of distinction. Yeah. No, I think that that hits really well with you. I would say 
or peer-to-peer type, it, if you had limited budget, limiting your budget to social and to mobile only for that would potentially work as well for the same reasons you outlined with donation. Uh, right. Donation page, which, Just again, kind of flipping it the other yeah, way around. Exactly. It's, it's kind of like kind of obvious, but kind of surprising at the same time. I just didn't didn't know. Yeah, I, it was funny when reading it and even, you know, writing a summary blog post. Even I was writing, I was like, this seems obvious, but I've never talked about this before. Exactly. And I don't think any, like, no one's talked about this. So one of the things about the data is even when it seems obvious, you have to go check it in the data because you don't know how it's going to come out. It always, you know, a lot of times it seems obvious once you see the data. But if it right. Day, <laughs> right. you also would have been like, oh, that's that's kind of obvious. <laughs> like, no. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so that was one of the, the interesting things. And then when we look at return donors uh, specifically, so you looked at what their return action might be. Um, how did their return actions kind of line up across the different various actions that they could take? Like what's the quick kind of summary when they came back? What are the things that they could do? Yeah. So as Monica said, you know, these are one-time donors and they came back and they did something. And by and large, so we had a kind of major wrap in the executive summary there. By and large, they were coming back and giving another one-time donation. And it was like outrageously one-time donations. However, as we talked last year, you know, recurring donors are like five times more valuable. Uh, fundraisers are like three times more valuable. And so if you factor those in, you know, those small percentages of people coming in and doing other things are mm. valuable. And I think also point towards, hey, these are things that are harder to do, take more effort, and uh, we ought to think about spending more time on. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that'll be a thing that will come back when we talk more about recurring and fundraisers even because I think that's also really important. Um, one of the neat things you did is you looked at time. You've got these cool looking uh, time charts mm-hmm. um, and you calculated the medium to- median time for someone to come back. And what's interesting is for the one time gifts, there's a 349 days was the median time. Um, and it's it's interesting because we run often nonprofits run on kind of calendar cycles where we have very clear dates like year end and giving Tuesday. So is it a little chicken egg like people are giving when we ask based on our calendars or have we kind of conditioned them that way or like is that that has to play a role in these numbers? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think that's totally right. And I I would break down into kind of three drivers. So one is when are these organizations running campaigns? A lot of campaigns are just natively annual. And that's how they run them. And so you'll just see annual comeback, even if they're not out doing outreach with emails and other things outside of these online campaigns. They're just running these campaigns basically annually. But another is, yeah, with the donors, kind of the common drivers are, are annual as well, whether it's like birthday fundraising, attending an event, like Giving Tuesday or tax season, even, even disaster relief, which is a big driver for people, has a very seasonal component to it. So I think the hmm. donor in that callback is part but I really like your, your point uh, about donor or organization outreach. I think there is this idea that, well, it's all annual. And so outreach becomes a longer cycle. Uh, right. And that's something that we really tried to call out with these opportunities. Hey, there are people coming back sooner. You know, mm-hmm. Just try harder and do it in the right way. Uh, yeah. Th- there's an opportunity there. So looking again at the, the dates, um, you know, it, like when you look at the chart, it looks like there's a pretty clear – you know, drop off. But is there like an actual, you know, drop off date where kind of like if someone hasn't become a return donor by this point, you know, it kind of falls off a cliff? Yeah, I mean, I would be I don't think there's really a cliff there. Any cliff I think is apparent. And and for me, it gets back to 
engagement. So we wouldn't think of engagement being as a cliff, right? Just the longer, the farther you are away from your most recent um, interesting engagement, the less likely someone is to, to give. Donations are kind of a high barrier for measuring uh, engagement. So I think of it more like, hey, you're building this engagement as often as you keep in touch, you know, is the mm-hmm. likelihood they're going to, and it's interesting, the likelihood they're going to give again. And I think that extends out just as far as you want. Yeah, that's a good d- distinction between giving and engagement. I know the the general rule of thumb, and when we look at a lot of the repeat retention rates or repeat giving rates, it's about sixteen months, where there is a bit of a a bit of a cliff, um, and it shows up a little bit in one of the charts. I forget which one in particular, where right around that mark, it does look a little. But for the most part, it's just this slowly kind of yeah. declining over time, which makes sense. The further you are away, the less likely, the more less committed you are, less it's connecting with you. Makes right. sense. And probably, I mean, the the less that an organization is reaching out to you and trying to reactivate you. Um, Correct. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I would say more technically, it's kind of an exponential decay. <laughs> very, <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> very smooth, very smooth. Um, it just it gets so small as you get farther and farther out that right. it's hard to measure. But I'd be really interested to follow up on that 16, if <laughs> around 16 months, then I want to look at 16 months. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. We'll talk about that offline. Um, the other interesting thing is uh, – with return donors, Giving Tuesday donors, one of our favorite subjects to talk about, Ben. Uh, Giving Tuesday donors became a recurring donor um, a bit quicker than the average donor. Right. Uh, do you? So that's the data point. Do you have any ideas as to why that might be? So I would say I have no data that says why that is, but I have lots of ideas. Perfect. <laughs> as a good data scientist, I would just want to call out this is speculation. <laughs> it is outside of what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm starting to sweat, but. <laughs> if, I, if I had to talk about it and you're just forcing me to do it, I, I do see relationships between Giving Tuesday donors and recurring donors that I kind of would want to call out. So hmm. I want to walk you through some ideas there. Great. One, we know that recurring subscriptions, recurring donors are worth five times more uh, in their lifetime. But we also found uh, earlier this year that those same donors have a lower median uh income than one-time givers. So they're giving a lot more over time, but they have less to give. And in this report, we also found that those one-time donors who become recurring wind up giving, 25% of them wind up giving a one-time donation again. So worth more, they're even giving more one-time donations afterwards, but they have less. Okay. So I see that as they're highly motivated. They're not these kind of one and done. They're, They're highly motivated. And that is what connects with our Giving Tuesday donors which is what we saw last year. Giving to right. donors, more likely to fundraise, more likely to come back on the same day and give again, all these kinds of things. And so hmm. either we're hitting the same pool of donors who are like lower median income, highly motivated and giving when they can as they can, hmm. the same pool, or we're hitting donors with the same types of constraints, right? They're on a mobile device, maybe the younger, maybe they have less to give on Giving Tuesday. They're, they're motivated and, and getting activated and something similar is happening, happening with the recurring donors. Right. I would, I would also take a gander myself here. <laughs> Ooh. Um, and I don't know if Ben would back me up on this, but <laughs> I also think that there's a correlation between the subscription economy and sort of millennials driving that, mm-hmm. as well as knowing that Giving Tuesday donors are younger, typically. Right. Um, and so I think that kind of just continues to add to some of what you're saying, um, that these really could be similar people out there totally. exhibiting these similar behaviors. 
Yeah, I would say I love the idea. It's really interesting. I would love to kind of hop back into the data and really figure that out. It's yeah. a hard one for us to get to with our data as it is, but really intriguing. And I, I love the question. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's definitely an interesting one. Something maybe worth testing. There we go. Um, if let's stick on recurring, and then we can jump to uh, to fundraisers there. So staying on on recurring, obviously something that we use your stats uh, in our report, and uh, we spent a lot of time last year talking about recurring. Um, you mentioned the the increase in one time gifts, which is great. I, that's another one that I think when you tell people like, oh yeah, that, that of course that makes sense when there's a disaster or another project they're some of the first people to respond because they get your value proposition to use our work right. better than anybody else. Right. So when that time comes, you know, they're committed. They're, they're there for you. One of the interesting things was the 214-day median time between donation and coming back for a recurring gift, A, being a bit shorter than uh, an additional one-time gift, but it also being kind of a, a pretty straight line of diminishing returns there. Any kind of insights or uh, additional you know, findings about the likelihood for someone to come back uh, as a second action to become a recurring donor? Yeah. So again, not a ton with the data side, but from the intuition and speculation side, uh, I think of, uh, of giving kind of like, I think of dating. So I'm single. I date <laughs> somewhat regularly. And, Whoa. Yeah. And and I give somewhat regularly too. So don't yeah, this is okay. Some, Dating advice with Ben. Right. So, so I'm getting into my dating advice, and I think it maps onto the nonprofit world, in my mind. So I think the first nation like a first date. Mm-hmm. Totally speculative, going to spend some money, and I'm just going to see how it goes. I don't need to see too much to jump into that first date and kind of try and have a good time. And I think that's right for donors, right? We'll like give our 50 bucks pretty easily the mm-hmm. first time. But to do it again, to go on a second date, I better see something from that first date or, you know, chatting back and forth afterwards to make me feel like there's really something there. Hmm. And the more that happens, the stronger I feel that something's really there, that, you know, you're we're connecting where we have the same ideas here. The more likely I am to take you somewhere nicer, give a bigger gift or, yeah. or do it sooner. Hey, let's get together. Let's do something. And I think. I think those concepts work in the nonprofit world, right? Like it's building that relationship. And the first time it's, it's easier that the better you build that relationship, the better you call out um, to content, not just kind of ask for more, but giving content about what's happening or, or talking about different things that's going on that someone might care about would, um, would bring someone back earlier. Yeah. I think, I mean, we use the relationship dynamic a lot. I mean, I'm married, so I don't go on dates at all anymore. So I don't have like dating advice. But the idea of like fundraising is like a relationship, whether it's like a landing page, it's like a conversation. And and so I do think it makes sense. And historically, at least up until last year, um, donors who give once and then turn into a recurring donor, that was the most likely scenario for people to become a recurring donor. Mm -hmm. And last year was the very first year where there were more people coming in as a first time recurring donor more so than those who've upgraded. But traditionally, that's the route that most people have gone because I do think it is that way. Like, yeah, I'm not ready to commit my credit card or my bank account for years and years and years until I get to know you. But because of things like subscription economy and just our purchasing behavior, we're a lot more comfortable with it. So we've seen that kind of switch over a little bit. Um, Totally. You know, one of the – sorry, go ahead. No, I I was just going to – I think that's right. We we see that as well. We see people – more and more coming in and doing recurring first and that idea that actually a one-time donation could be a bigger thing in these little subscriptions you're used to doing that more so that's what starts to feel like the smaller you know the right. smaller commitment to start 
Right. Okay, we'll come back to that, I'm sure, for like, so what do, what do people do with this? The, the last kind of area that I thought was interesting was fundraisers. Um, so in my previous life, I worked in the peer-to-peer world and something that I couldn't find uh, or one thing that I found very interesting is everyone was measuring it on how many donors did we acquire mm-hmm. or maybe how much money. And very few people were actually looking at the fundraiser, him or herself, and what their value was. That seems to be like relatively new. And you guys took that to a next level of seeing, well, what is a repeat or a return fundraiser? Can you talk a little bit about why you looked at that and what you found? Yeah, we, we looked at it because we, I mean, we see support, right? We looked at kind of all the supporter actions and we see them as all important. And fundraisers, we know, raise a lot more money than one-time donors. They're highly activated. There's probably more you can do with them. So mm. it seemed, you know, just from a data perspective and from a value perspective, it makes all the sense in the world to do that. Um, what we found is that uh, fundraiser retention is challenging. Um, yeah. Numbers aren't huge, but if you're able to bring someone back, they raise a lot more money, like more than 100% more money. So 2x, if we're going to be in the X range, so two, <laughs> times, two times the amount of money. We also know, you know that people who are good at fundraising can coach others to fundraise. So something we hmm. didn't talk about in the report is the importance of fundraising teams and having leaders hmm. in there and taking, having relationships with your fundraisers can help you create teams. And those teams will help those one-time donors figure out how to fundraise and do better, get that first donation quicker, raise more money, all those kinds right. of things. Yeah. Right. I think it also goes back to kind of the crux of why we are looking at this report in a different way as well. And again, you know, the industry is rife with data about donor retention, but I have personally not seen the same focus on fundraiser retention. And so for us, especially, you know, from my lens, looking at it from kind of the brand perspective and and what else we could be doing to inspire nonprofits to kind of think outside the box. um, This was just an area that was really interesting to explore and and Mm -hmm. really valuable and not something that's being talked about. So we, we really wanted to raise it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, the analogy, I think, as to a recurring donor is somewhat similar or a repeat donor again. Like you spend all this time and energy to get someone to say yes. They set up their page. They invite their friends. You know, you spend so much time and energy. And now if they just kind of go away and, you know, never come back, it's the same concept of what's the lifetime value of a fundraiser. And it goes way up if you can, you know, find a way to get – it's harder. Sure, it's hard to get them back. But the value is there and it's worth working at, right? Totally. Now, Now, but I would hop back to what you were saying saying before with more and more recurring um, donors coming in for the first time and going to to recurring like we know classy does uh, uh, we do fundraising so this year uh, third straight year we ran a program called classy gives where we take a classy awards recipient and we fundraise on behalf of them Hmm. so i see firsthand the amazing things that classy people are doing to do mm-hmm. fundraising, whether it's like charity breakfast or poker nights or like mm-hmm. promises that they're going to exercise and do push-ups for every, you know, college <laughs> race or something. So that's legit, like hard. I'm actually, I would question a little bit how hard it is to get recurring donors versus mm. how we pose that question in the fundraising. Sure. Um, and so it's definitely rarer to get fundraisers and recurring donors, and they're definitely both more valuable long-term. But yeah, I'm I'm reluctant to say that it's harder to get recurring donors without seeing more from us to really try and optimize that experience and take advantage of of those trends that you mentioned before. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And again, it's a little of the chicken egg argument, right? Like, so 
recurring donors make up in a good file, 20 to 30 percent of donors in a good file. Mm-hmm. And a lot of organizations are sitting five to 10. So is it really hard or are they just not do- working or are they not doing a good job? Like exactly. we don't really know. Yeah. What we do know is they're hugely valuable and it can be done better, right? Totally. So in this vein of like, what do we do? Um, You know, we talked about return donors. We talked about recurring donors. We talked about peer-to-peer and fundraisers. What are some of the kind of – you've already mentioned some of these things, but what are some of the things you think um, organizations should use with this data to influence maybe some of their strategies? Um, yeah, I mean, if we're if we're thinking about getting more repeat fundraisers, um, one thing we talk a lot here about at Classy is that it really starts with a great first impression, um, and that's absolutely crucial to getting a fundraiser to return. You want them to have a good experience with your organization, and that includes the technology. So, mm-hmm. if setting up a page and you know soliciting their friends and family for donations is cumbersome or a really clunky experience, chances are they're probably not going to return. And they, it might leave kind of a bad taste in their mouth. Um, We've also done some donor studies and surveys that show, you know, people are willing to give more to an online experience. If they feel like it's technologically advanced, they actually trust it more. Hmm. Um, So that kind of goes into that as well. You know, you want to be giving this trustworthy experience so that, fundraisers can proudly share their page and feel right. that their friends and family can support it really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, we also talk a lot about, you know, encouraging nonprofits to create personal connections with those who are fundraising on their behalf. You know, mm-hmm. even as we kind of talk about it, all I keep hearing in my head is evangelism. And when we mm. talk about our own experience with Classy Gives, you know, I can personally say that I was fundraising as well. And it is really hard. And you you have to be really invested. You know, some of my colleagues that did these juice, morning juice breakfasts and poker <laughs> tournaments, I mean, that took hours of their time to plan. And it's a huge investment to actually want to support an organization in that way. And mm-hmm. so I think if an organization kind of reminds themselves of that, that what these, you know, fundraisers are sort of doing to invest yeah. in their cause beyond just the monetary piece. Um, it'll kind of remind them to really curate those personal connections with those people and, and foster them in a really good way. Right. And yeah, that's a great point. And, and for someone who's a little bit shy, maybe a little bit uh, introverted like me, just getting off the ground with fundraising and getting the, some of those creative ideas, outreach from the organization to help me get there um, yeah. can be really helpful. Yeah. And, you know, the the secret ingredient that, that we found in fundraising is empathy. And that would apply to this, like just step out of your shoes and imagine you're you're trying to do these pancake bread. Like, how do you help that person? And what are all the steps? Right. right? Too much. We're just organizational centric. Like, yeah, do a pancake breakfast and give us all that money, right. you know, without actually figuring out, like, what are the pain points? How can we actually right. solve this? So, and, and that would apply to other you know forms of, of giving. But what about specifically maybe like the giving side, whether it's recurring or return? Uh, what are some of the things that beyond what you've already said that maybe organizations can look at? I mean, so from from the fundraising side, I mean, one thing that was just top of mind that I want to share hmm. as well, something that an organization would know, but that a fundraiser, I would think, wouldn't know. In our report, we saw even in the peer-to-peer uh, campaign type, 30% of donors who returned were returning to the same campaign. Hmm. Actually reaching out to someone who already gave and asking them for a second donation to your personal fundraising page hmm. is feasible, is reasonable, is something that people actually do. And so kind of that personal connection and that outreach can be super, like can make a difference in the bottom line. Yeah, interesting. 
Yeah. I think that also goes into how they're leveraging the campaign in their communication strategies as well. So if they're yeah. super close to hitting their goal, yeah, it's an opportunity to kind right. of conduct another level of outreach. Um, you know, they may inspire those additional gifts from the same people coming back. Sure. Yeah, I know. Uh, I do a birthday fundraiser every year and I experience that same thing. Like my parents will give early because they love me, which is great. And then later on, if it seems like I'm coming short on my goal, they'll give again, you know, to make sure that I hit my goal. And I'm sure a lot of friends and family do that for these types of campaigns. Right. And, um, I mean, another thing I can just briefly speak to, uh, one of the things we want to preach is kind of like diversity, diversity in the types of giving, diversity in the types of outreach. So one of the things we saw in the report is if someone comes in on one campaign type, you know, they can't, they can come back on the same campaign type. They can come back on a different campaign type. One of the things we saw is when they can come back on a different campaign type, the size of the gift just tended to be larger. Hmm. When they came back on the same campaign type, the, the second gift looked a lot like the first gift. The median hmm. gift size was about the same, which is the median gift size overall for that type. But they came back in a different way. It actually moved the needle up in, in most of the cases. Hmm. So, I think just thinking about engaging people, keeping it new, keeping it fresh, giving them new information, you know, rather than just constant appeals, I think uh, is a message that you guys share. And I think is totally consistent with what we're seeing. Yeah. And this, it is one of the tricks of, of digital marketing where we can track all that stuff. Like how do they come in from what campaign through what giving type? And then if, you could do some damage if you put them in that bucket then. Well, they only give through Facebook to this type of campaign, so that's the only thing we're going to ask them to do, right? And that, if you think about just our lives, that's not how we interact with anything else. So why should that be how we interact with And, and not just that. I mean, it, it's pretty clear that people are giving to multiple organizations in multiple ways. And so if you keep yourself in a small bucket, it's not that they're doing no philanthropic stuff. They're just going to do it with other people, other organizations. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's a good mind, point. I think helps like, yeah, outreach. Other people are outreaching just to do it smart. Right. Um, anything else uh, specifically to like return or recurring donors that um, you think organizations uh, could do based on the data in this report? For me, the, just the, the general concept of making sure to reach out to your recurring donors, that there is an opportunity for them to give additional one-time gifts um, that you're, you know, that if you reach out to them, hey, they may they may realize that they have this recurring subscription and and leave. It's not that you know these are your most highly motivated some of your most highly motivated uh, supporters. So mm-hmm. do outreach, do outreach for one time donations, do outreach for fundraising, do outreach with all your normal stuff. They care, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, was a big kind of like validation for me. Um, yeah, and I'm, yeah, something I didn't necessarily expect. Yeah, one that. Um that jumped out to me and that was kind of like confirming something that like we believe strategically, but also what our data and evidence is, is that um, you can move someone to like a second gift ask, for example, way sooner than you possibly think. Right. Uh, <laughs> He's choking. Cause it was just coming to my mind as you were saying, I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, total opportunity, right. Uh, to, to bring, you know, I mean, you, you go ahead. You, you no, it just, it, it may seem a little counterintuitive, right? Like someone just gave or they just did this action. Now we should thank them, you know, give them their tax receipt within 48 hours or whatever the best practice is. And then like, you know, leave them alone for a while because they've done their good deed. And uh, I think it's just a, a backwards approach to giving. Like they just did this awesome life-changing thing that they believed in and got this unreal, you know, experience and benefit from changing the world. Like, 
they're hyped. Like, what else can they do? It's not, you know, forcing them to make a second gift. It's like, is there another project they could fund? Is there something else that they can do? Like, they're, they've received, their endorphins are firing. You know, like, all these <laughs> right. things are working towards. And a lot of our communication strategies are like, we'll leave you alone for three months. And then you come back and they're like, who are you again? I don't even like, what did I do three months ago? You know? Yeah, thinking back, you know, about that dating analogy, I think there's <laughs> a fear. Absolutely. A fear for the nonprofit to feel like a stage five clinger. <laughs> um, so, but it, but it really, it kind of goes against, I think that natural instinct to sort of back off and like give the person space. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating to kind of see where the data nets out and how that may not be the case. Right. And I, I would I would try and flip that a little bit. It's not about the time. It's about the quality of your outreach. Right. And giving them the opportunities. If you're just, you know, blandly asking for a next donation. like Yeah, of course. Of course. But I think that's where it comes from. And, and so, I, yeah, I'm totally with you. We kind of got it uh, backwards and upside down there. Yeah. You know, and um, I mean, we've taken it to an extreme of some of our experiments where we see like uh, a, an instant donation page. So right after someone either makes a donation or signs up for an email on the thank you page, it's like, thank you so much, you know, confirm whatever they did and then make a contextual ask. And uh, after a donation, we see a 10 to 20 percent conversion rate of people to make another gift mm-hmm. to a different project or a different yeah. fund. And five to 10 percent of people turn into a recurring donor immediately. Yeah. Because they're, again, they're in momentum, they've received this benefit, and then if you can say, like, thank them, you obviously don't just, like, give again, you know, money please, you know, like, you thank them and move them. Um, And so just think about that, and then think about how you can use, like, email or something like that, Um, or, like, the first, you know, the first three emails that they receive are the three most open, read, and engaged emails you will ever send an organization or that you will ever send to a person right. in their entire lifetime experience with you. So that first impression thing is massive. Yeah. You know, the first few texts you send after that date are going to be, you know, make or break, right? Oh, like those are important. <laughs> totally. And, and I love that. I love that you guys are doing that. And I love that you always, you guys always contextualize the difference between copy and like good copy, right? Mm. Like getting that yeah. message across. And, and I love... You know, you bring that out again here. And, and it really does make all the difference. Again, it's yeah. the difference between like date, date me again, you know, versus, <laughs> you know, like, oh, that was so lo-. like you, you just know it. And so, again, that framework of relationship. We're beating this analogy to death, aren't we? But uh, I think it works. I like it. Head. This is so true. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think it's great. Well, uh, I've taken up many, many more minutes of your time than I was hoping, but I really enjoyed the discussion. Um, anything else you want to add before we kind of sign off for the day here? I think one thing that we've been kind of bubbling up to the top as we're having these conversations as well is just kind of reinforcing for people um, that online fundraising isn't a single thing. Um, that's mm. something we tried to sort of bring across with our first iteration of the state of modern philanthropy, and it definitely rings true in this year's report as well. Um, so kind of along the lines of what we're saying, you know, we understand that every single organization has a unique set of challenges um, and their supporter base looks different. And so that's why we really try to arm nonprofits with the data and then yeah. some helpful thought starters versus explicitly providing, you know, directives on what they should try. Yeah. Uh, I think this kind of speaks to how you guys, you know, do your optimizations as well. You know, it's, it's kind of all about that testing mentality. Um, and, you know, we hope to sort of inspire that within the nonprofit community as well. Yeah. And that's, that's what's cool, right? Is we're actually doing a, a study right now that looks at the first 45 days of email and then we're running experiments in parallel so that we can hopefully say, 
do this or try this, right? We can use your data to show, hey, here's why it's important. People come back quicker than you think. Here's what organizations are after actually doing or not doing. And here's what we actually did that works or not, right? In between those three things like data, experience, and, right. you know, experiments, we can kind of hopefully get closer to what's actually working. And so that's why it's so great for you to come on the podcast and share more about what you're doing because it lines up a lot with what the sector needs, but also what more and more people are putting some time and energy thinking about. So thank you for your report uh, and taking that approach and then coming on the show. Um, speaking of the report, where can people find out more about you guys or the report itself? Yeah, so they can find out more at classy.org slash blog. Um, we have tons of resources, webinars, guides, and you'll be able to find the report and download it from there as well. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to include that in the the show notes as well when we send it out. So uh, thank you both so much for coming on the show and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah. Thanks Thanks. so much, Brady. Hi again, Brady here. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode. And I assume you did because you're still listening. So a couple of things I just wanted to point out related to kind of Classy and this study that you might be interested in. First, uh, Classy has a conference in June in Boston called Collaborative, and I'm actually going to be there. Uh, next after we'll be there, we'll be on a panel and we'll be around. So if you're interested in coming to the collaborative and want to save a few uh, dollars, you can use our discount code next after 25 to save some money. Uh, the day before that conference, we'll actually be doing a full day uh, certification workshop on email fundraising optimization in HubSpot's office. Uh, Great tool, good friends, good partner. Uh, We're going to spend all day looking at email fundraising optimization from sending good emails to getting more opens, getting more clicks, getting more donations, um, segmentation. It'll be a great day. So if you are going to Collaborative or you're interested in just coming to that workshop in Boston, you can find out more at nextafter.com slash training. And then the last thing is Scott Chisholm, who's a co-founder of Classy, uh, will actually be coming to our conference in Denver in September, the Nonprofit Innovation and Optimization Summit, to talk a little bit more about their data and their research in this report. And we'll weave in some of our own research around cultivation as well. So if you're interested in that, you can find out more at neosummit.com. So a few other ways where you can go a little bit deeper from here. Uh, Please check those out. Let us know if you have any questions. And thank you, as always, for listening. Hey, this is Brady, and I just want to say thank you for listening to the Generosity Freak Show. If you want to get all future episodes, please be sure to subscribe at generosityfreakshow.com, or you can just search the Generosity Freak Show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have comments, questions, feedback, you can email us at podcast at next after. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the Generosity Freak Show is produced by Next After, where I work. It, Next After is an online fundraising research lab that works with nonprofits to help them grow their online fundraising. And our mission is to unleash the most generous generation in the history of the world. You can learn more about us and what we're up to and see our latest research at nextafter.com. Lastly, this show would not be possible without my co-host, Tim Kachuriak, and our amazing mixologist and producer, Nathan Hill. So many, many thanks to them. So thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.